three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Gentlemen, days and gays, this is the real pineapple. This is your humble host Hunter here. Hope you're having a good one whenever you're checking this out. I've got a review for Anonymous Sister, which is directed by two-time Emmy-winning documentary filmmaker Jamie Boyle, who you know most likely from Trans in America, Take a Vote, uh, Jackson, and now uh, Anonymous Sister. So, uh, full disclosure, I got the privilege of uh, interviewing uh, Jamie. Uh, by the time you listen to this, uh, that review will be done and uh, not not uploaded. They're gonna, I'm going to upload these at the same time, but I'm sure it was great talking to Jamie. Uh, she seems cool, but this movie in particular, not a fun watch. Uh, <laughs> it's, whew, yeah, this is, this is a very tough film to watch, and I'll get into why in just a moment, but something that I think as filmmakers that we always need to kind of keep in mind is the perspective of the filmmaker, and I mean that in a sense of, you know, they can manipulate our point of views, you know, and, and try to make us feel a certain way, and it's always interesting when you see those directors where, where and, you know, you can fill in the blank with whoever you think fits the bill. But you can definitely feel, I think, if you've watched enough film, when a director is misleading you to not get to the truth that you might naturally arrive at yourself. Especially when it comes to um, documentary uh, dir- uh, documentary uh, directors. Um, you know, I, I think about, uh, what's his name, Morgan Spurlock off of Super Size Me. How, you know, if you do just a little bit of research, you find out, oh, yeah, he was totally fudging the numbers on, you know, how many times he's eating McDonald's and all that crap. It's so, so there is responsibility to being a uh, document, uh, documentary director that I do think gets lost in the shuffle and that we kind of just assume that a director won't manipulate you when I could think of Kirk Cameron surviving Christmas immediately comes to mind <laughs> or saving Christmas, whatever the fuck it's called. But that immediately comes to mind as far as manipulation because that's manipulative as shit. This is a raw portrayal in a way that I just have to tip my cap to Jamie right off the bat before I even talk about the content because who, 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 So... Jumping in here, it starts off with this quote that I absolutely love. I hadn't heard the quote before. I'm going to have to start using this. But but uh, the quote is, the camera makes you forget you're there. It gives you both a point of connection and a point of separation. And that was said by Susan uh, Macellas, is what I'm going to go with, who's also a uh, documentary uh, photographer. And, oh my God, what a great freaking quote. And I think that's really worth meditating on as far as what that quote means because obviously the camera and just the camera in general even not from a 
documentary maker perspective, when we think about social media and we think about Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram, just to name a few, and how the camera can be used to connect you to people you've never even met before and how we can find that unity in sharing our experiences, but then how you know so often that's used to divide us as well it's a it's a fascinating juxtaposition but the way that jamie attacks this subject matter and as i was watching this i never felt like she was being biased towards the bad that pharmaceuticals can be and be used for but it definitely felt like a person who had been hurt but understood the gravity of the power she had behind the camera so she's presenting you with the facts and, you know, to quote a very dumb someone, uh, <laughs> uh, facts don't care about your feelings. And it's true because the facts that this documentary lays out really fucking damning. And it really paints this very gross picture of what the healthcare system has become and how doctors kind of prescribe things willy nilly, even when what's being prescribed probably is what should be prescribed uh, prescribed for the person who's getting them. So this movie, uh, this documentary in particular, goes ahead and follows Jamie and her family throughout multiple points in their, uh, in their life through home videos. It's very boyhood in that way. And I again, I just have to give Jamie credit for being willing to put herself and her family out on Front Street like that and be so on, honest and soul-bearing with the, with the camera and with the audience. It, this really focuses on her mom and her sister Jordan. And what's crazy about Jordan is that from early on, um, the film really uh, starts off in Colorado in 1996, how we see that Jordan is basically this prodigy. She wanted to go ahead and skate. She just talked about how she got kind of enamored with it and before long she was skating every day and just putting in that work and getting better and better and better and it's really quite inspirational to see how much work Jordan put in into being this freaking badass as far as far as whenever she was on the ice but as anyone will tell you you know you're jumping up and down that much and you're you know you're putting that much on your body sometimes your body just breaks down and unfortunately that's what happens with Jordan by the time she's 17 she just realizes she can't do it anymore and uh, you find out that she got uh, nerve damage and you're just like oh shit and that's what begins her on this journey to seeking help and eventually getting hooked on these drugs and What's really sad about that is just from Jump, the fact that it really felt like the doctors went, well, we don't want to dig too much into this here. Just take, you know, take a pill. I I've talked about my depression uh, on the pod before and how, you know, when I lost my dad, I was on, I can't remember what pill it was, but I, I was on the antidepressants for maybe eight months. And there was just this point where I kind of just stopped taking them because I always felt like I was watching myself live my life. And it was a really scary thing feeling that I didn't have any control whatsoever. And so, you know, late in my later years, when I hit around 18 or so, that's when I had, uh, had someone introduce me to marijuana. And that's one reason why, outside of making great, <laughs> making great reviews, hopefully, uh, I, 
you know, I, I'm definitely an advocate for uh, for marijuana because I think it just helps with pain. I think it helps with depression, and I just think it helps people be in a better ment- uh, mental headspace without, you know, these unfortunate side effects that come with things like oxycotton and fentanyl and these other drugs that are just so damning as far as the side effects and how they affect people. And when when you think about, you know. When you think about crises, you know, I, you know, obviously the the crack epidemic immediately comes to mind. You know, in the late '80s, early '90s, that's essentially what this is now, in present day. And I really think that people undercut that because we don't like. Let, let's be clear: there was a definite uh, narrative spin as far as Reagan and the way that crack is only about the black people, but the fact that you know, fentanyl and oxy have spread across not just racial lines, but across class lines. You know, it's not just, you know, poor people doing this shit. There's there's definitely rich people in the elite who are who are doing this as well. And it's it's crazy to think about how much of a crisis this is. And something I appreciate so much about this documentary is it really digs into how this became a crisis, how the lobbying uh, from the far, uh, from the far, uh, from the pharmaceutical, you know, bigwigs went ahead and made something that really shouldn't have been an issue in any way, shape, or form, and turned into this thing where you know the the genie's out of the bottle. It's and once that's done, it's hard as hell to put the genie back in the bottle. And unfortunately, it feels like there may be no end in sight for this, which fucking sucks, because again, this is something that is a problem that should not be a problem. It's a man-made problem. One thing I also appreciate that this film gets into is, because I I think a lot of parents, especially, kind of just think, well, you know, your kid gets good at a sport, and then, you know, the organization pays for it, or what have you. I think that's something that gets lost in the shuffle quite a bit, is how much parents are spending on these kids who are, you know, maybe prodigies from jump, but these kids also who grow into a sport so quickly and become so great at it that you go, well, shit, I need to financially, you know, give my kid this money to see where this goes. And they do a a, a good job talking to uh, the mom and dad here in the movie because they talk about how uh, the dad, uh, JP, in this movie was working 24-7. And, you know, it felt like, uh, they were spending all this money. He talks about how, you know, you had your main coach, uh, you know, to obviously teach you how to skate and land and all that. But then you had a dietitian, you had a psych, you had psychologists, plural, you know, you were getting, <coughs> pardon me, you're getting $1,500 skates. It's really crazy how quickly everything starts to add up once you kind of start doing the math and you go, oh, shit, I could totally see how this would just feel so daunting as a parent. But obviously, you don't want to take this thing away from your child that brings you that brings them such joy. But as a parent, again, that feeling that financial strain, feeling that emotional strain, you know, of what happens if this is taken away from our from our child, which unfortunately does happen. And there there are several gears at play as far as multiple moments in Jordan's life and everything. And I thought the way that everything is balanced. Uh, the home video aspect, as I mentioned, does a very good job of elevating this and adding a level of gravitas to this film that I really appreciated, especially as the uh, things about 
the big pharma comes in later on. And one of the things that they also talk about as far as her losing that skating identity is how her social network fell apart. And that's something I think that a lot of people we we kind of miss out on because you know if you you know whether it's a sports team or it's a church there is a social structure that you're a part of and unfortunately when you're not part of that group activity that initially created that social structure a lot of times people don't reach out which is really shitty by the way like don't don't be that person or yeah come on like don't be that person and the way that they talk about jordan's depression and how that just crept in you go shit i i i get that i get how that would be a thing and it's there's a grossness to it because i think we do see it so often and it's one of those things that we just kind of accept as reality when we shouldn't accept that shit you know i i've talked about this on the show before about how you know it takes 10 maybe 15 seconds to send a text you know i i really i really do hate when people go Oh, man, it's been a while since I've heard of you. How have you been? It's like a phone works both ways, motherfucker. You can, you know, you can go ahead and reach out. And having the parents talk about how Jordan just kind of fell apart socially because this thing that she loved and it put thousands of hours into was taken away from her. It, it's fucking tragic. And no kid should ever feel like that at 17. No kid like should ever feel that alone just because they can't skate anymore. It's fucking sad. So to date myself here a little bit, as I'm about to turn 36, oh God, uh, I'm old enough to remember going through uh, the D.A.R.E. program when I was a kid, you know, the whole lion and someone even came out in the lion suit. It was like, D.A.R.E., you know, uh, uh, I don't even remember what D.A.R.E. stands for. Drugs are really edible I don't, I don't know but 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 actually what, what does dare stand for oh drug abuse resistance education that's way less fun but i but i remember going through that as a kid i remember i actually remember also there was this oh god what was it called so you'll have to look it up but it's it's from 1990 because i still remember seeing this in the library it was called cartoon all-stars for the rescue uh, drugs don't stand a, a chance against these guys. And it was on the cover, I'm looking at it right here. It was Winnie the Pooh, Kermit the Frog, Garfield, the Smurfs, Miss Piggy, Gonzo, Alvin, Simon, and Theodore, Alf, fucking Alf, uh, Doug, uh, Bugs, Daffy, Huey, uh, Huey Louie, and, uh, oh my god, I should remember what whatever the, the 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 three ducks and then slimer it's all these cartoon characters teaming up to save oh what was the kid's name michael i think but it was this whole thing about how um how oh my god this yeah so here, here's the plot the plot uh chronicles the exploits of michael a young teenage boy who's using marijuana as well as stealing and drinking alcohol <laughs> Holy shit. But this was a thing in the 90s. It was very much this narrative of don't do drugs, don't do marijuana, it's bad. It's drugs are bad, gay. Like, you know, it was it was that crap. And it's it's crazy that, that was a thing in the 90s. So fast forward to 96 when uh, uh Purdue Pharma were the ones who introduced Oxycontin. And from fucking jump, and this is where the 
educational part of the documentary comes in, they flat out said from the jump of this that less than 1% of patients became uh, became addicted, which when you hear that percentage, you go, okay, 1%, that's fucking absurd. Even milk is 2%. Like, like how, like how the fuck are, are less than 1% of your patients becoming hooked on this? And as the documentary goes on and you see how just taking Oxycontin is affecting people's lives and destroying them at many points, it's just crazy the all of the vitriol and all of the smear campaigning that's been done against marijuana for decades. And yet there are people saying Oxycontin's the best. Why are you? Why are you concerned? No, people aren't dying off Oxycontin. You're silly. The big term that's used in here that's just made me go, what the actual fuck is uh, marketing disguised the education. And when you think about the, when you think about the medical community, there are so many points where it feels like that's done. That again, as I just mentioned, that's exactly what happened with marijuana. And the fact that they touted uh, Rudy Giuliani as one of these people saying, oh my god, Oxycontin's the best. Like, if you're in any sort of pain, you need to be taking taking it. I just went, wow. I mean, god, the only... God, just, just, fuck, just so fucked up and vile and, and gross. Not as gross as fucking your cousin, but also <laughs> but just gross in a way that you go... You, like, you should realize the gravity and the power that you have by putting your name as shitty of a person as you are. I think people really forget that Rui Giuliani, you know, he was America's mayor after 9-11. He was that guy. And it's kind of crazy how, I, I not kind of crazy, it is crazy how often he would use, you know, that to score brownie points. And be like, I was there for 9-11, like, acting like he was, you know, grabbing people out of the you know, grabbing people out buildings himself, but no one used 9-11 more to help their political career than Rudy Giuliani. And for him to not realize the political power that he had by promoting something so dangerous, gross fucking human being, and that's before we even get to Borat. But when, as this film kind of gets into the nuts and bolts as far as the pharmaceutical industry, that's where things get really gross and really unfortunate very quickly. And the way that it ties back to Jordan and uh, Jamie's mom, because when you find out how they both got hooked on Oxycontin around the same time and how, you know, Jamie and her dad are dealing with this in real time to the people, like the two most really important people in their lives both going through this health crisis at the same time, fucking tragic. And the way that the documentary, I'm, I'm trying to not give too much away because I do want y'all to experience this for yourselves, but that gross reality and how this could have been prevented and the way that doctors, and that's the other component that the film does get into. And this is kind of the last thing I'll say as far as the, the film, because I do, again, I do want you to experience this for yourself. The gross aspect of selling the Oxycontin and almost having these goals to hit, that's a component that the documentary gets into that. That, for me, was just when I was about to just start flipping, like, my laundry basket over. 
Because again, it points to the fact that this is a business. It's not about making people better. Now, you know, I could put on my tinfoil hat here and talk about how is there probably a cure for cancer? Probably. But the money's not in the treatments, in the, in the cure, it's in the medicine. So why would we give people the cure for cancer when we could drag it out through radiation and everything else? Obviously, the, you know, obviously the, <coughs> the medical industry would never hide, you know, cures with disease for profit. Ha 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 ha. But... And I, and I and I believe I believe it's the mom who says this. I, I don't think it's Jordan, but there is a quote here that says, uh, "The more medication I was prescribed, the more pain I was feeling." Just that line in particular should immediately be a red flag of, "Oh, you shouldn't be using this because it's not helping," and it just makes you go, "Wow." Last thing I will say as far as a quote from uh, Carol uh, Panera, who talks about being incentivized on the dosing strengths and selling that uh, to doctors, how we had to pick 10, uh, 10 prescribers who hadn't started selling it, then we would rank them according to that, like a cash prize, and you just go, fuck. And this documentary does a great job of taking it outside of Jordan and the mom and going ahead and touching on the lives of a couple other people who we don't get a ton of time with here, but we see how Oxycontin has affected their lives and affected their families and at many points broken their families. And it's just one of those things where you realize how far reaching this drug is and how far reaching these consequences are. That's just, it, it's just, it's fucking heartbreaking. Get, getting to my final thoughts here. I, I, I adore this documentary. Is it an easy documentary to watch? Absolutely not. And I, you know, I talked about how I've been kind of staying away from documentaries coming out of lockdown because life itself was not easy for those couple years. But I am really happy when something like this gets put on my radar and I'm able to take the time and really dive into this and educate myself on something that, you know, maybe I wasn't as educated on as I thought I was. And even though I knew Oxy was an issue, this film really does a great job of framing how it's a structural issue as far as healthcare and how it's something that needs to be looked at deeply, if not just completely torn down and started from scratch. It It's crazy how people are starting to win lawsuits and we're starting to see these companies having to pay out lots of money, rightfully fucking so, because of the seeds that they've sown. But it just shows at the end of the day, it's all about the green. It's all about making money. And it's, you know, it, it's it's really fucking sad. It's really tragic that we need even police people like this when they're supposed to be ones that are helping, helping us. So, but yeah, this just, this is a hard watch. But Anonymous Sister, y'all need to see it. This is a solid A from me. But just, damn. Damn, damn, damn. It, it's it's a hard watch, but it's a necessary watch. So please check this out. It uh, should be playing in theaters by the time you listen to this. Um, you can go on the uh, website, anonymoussister.com. I'll list their socials in the uh, description of the episode. But please check this movie out because it's well worth your time. And you'll leave more educated. At the end of the day, that's all we can hope for. for. But again, a tip of the cap to... Uh, Jamie Boyle, who I think knocked this out of the fucking park. I can't wait to see what she does next. But 
yeah, check this out. Support stuff like this. Check out Anonymous Sister. It is well worth your time. But Anonymous Sister, have y'all seen it? What would you think? Let us know in the comments. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter at jhunterrealpineapple. You can also follow me on Instagram at jhunterrealpineapple. That's R-E-E-L pineapple. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Black Shazam. And you can follow me on TikTok at Black Shazam 775. Don't forget to like, rate, and share the podcast. It definitely helps us out. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, TuneUp, and Samsung Podcasts, to name a few, at The Real Pineapple. Don't forget to like both our pages on Facebook at The Real Pineapple and Real Pineapple Games. And you can go ahead and follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash jhunterrealpineapple. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, and you can follow us on YouTube now. Pardon me. Uh, just type in The Real Pineapple and that'll bring up our uh, channel page. Don't forget to subscribe there as well. But everyone, thank you so much for listening. We're going to have reviews coming up this month. I'll have reviews up for the four original Indiana Jones films, including Crystal Skull. Yes, I'm reviewing Crystal Skull. But by the time y'all listen to this review, my interview with Jamie Boyle uh, about this documentary will be live. It's a really, really, really fun interview. I'm really grateful for Jamie to be able to make the time. We talk about this documentary and cover a wide range of topics, but that uh, that interview will be live by the time you listen to this so go and check out that interview as well but we're gonna have reviews up later in the month for asteroid city as well as uh, spider-man to the spider-verse uh i'm gonna probably review the original transformers uh michael bay film maybe even the uh the, the cartoon animated movie i might i might check the, review that before uh this new transformers but Gonna have a review up for that. Uh, we will have a review for The Flash. Um, despite my feelings on that, we'll have a review up for that later in the month as well. As well as a review for You Hurt My Feelings and oh, some other stuff as well. I should be hopping on Twitch here by the end of the month because AEW Fight Forever comes out. I really want to play that game and that would be fun to stream. So probably have... Uh, have a stream for that as well, but I'll let y'all know as we get closer to that. That comes out late, uh, late, later this month. But everyone, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we will talk to you soon.